The competitive nature of sports brings us all together and provides us a positive outlet for self-expression and healthy competition. When it comes to the growing popularity of rugby, the following statement couldn't be more accurate. The 2023 figures for community rugby paint a positive and upbeat picture for the future vitality and veracity of the sport, with it now being played by approximately 8.46 million players across 132 national member unions, which is an increase of 11% over the 2022 levels. Emerging rugby nations, women and girls, are the major driving factors behind the growth of the sport, according to the Rugby World Cup. This is all positive news for my friend Steve Ryan, who currently serves as the managing director of the National Rugby Football League, with a mandate of bringing the largest tackle sport globally to a new American fan. How's that mission going, you ask? Well, lucky for all of us, Ryan found some time in his schedule this week to engage in conversation about the exploding popularity of the sport and the keys to continued and sustainable success. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. to welcome you to the program and I'm super excited to learn all of the great work that you do to promote the sport of rugby this morning. It's great to see you on this cold uh, Monday morning and I want to welcome you to the program, my friend. Uh, it's uh, lovely to see you this morning. Kevin, appreciate you allowing me to be on your show, talk a little rugby. And uh, yes, there's a reason why we're inside today. We were smarter than to go outside, whether it's we're based in Minnesota or, or to our friends in the north in Canada. It is officially winter. I will for better or for worse, isn't it? That's right. That's Absolutely. Right. Now, Steve, I know that you're responsible in your role as the managing director uh, for, for bringing the largest tackle sport globally to a new audience of American fans. So I'm wondering if we can t uh, start our conversation by you telling me how that overall mission is going and why you love your job so much. Yeah, well, Kevin, I'll, I'll maybe start quickly at the beginning. I'll give you, if, if you will, the quick hurry-up offense. Uh, but when you look at the, the sport of rugby, it's a 200-year-old sport but it's only been professional since 1995. 
So when you look, as we say, across the pond in England, Australia, all the countries outside of maybe North America, it's an extremely popular sport played in 120 different countries, approaching 900 million followers. Uh, but when you zoom in here in the U.S., it's a growing sport. It's one of the fastest club sports for men and women, but yet it's still small. It's nowhere in comparison to the big five here in the U.S. So our mission is how do you take this global, beautiful game that's loved and played everywhere, but bring it to the most lucrative media and entertainment market, that being North America. As we know, an American fan base will love it, knowing we truly are a gladiator society, as we're currently in the NFL season who dominates the the airways, if you will, dominates the TV networks. So can we position this the granddad of American football, that being rugby, here in the U.S., knowing we have premium stadiums that we can uh, participate in in the offseason of the NFL. We have a fan base that's addicted to tackle sport, and we have an untapped athletic pool. So you combine those ingredients and you present it in a new way to, a, to an audience in, in America that doesn't know much or little about the sport of rugby. We truly feel timing is right uh, to, to bring the NRFL to, to an American audience. Yeah, and one of the competitive advantages that you have as an association and as a league, my friend, is that you have an evenly split demographic between men and uh, women. So tell me about what sort of competitive advantages that gives you with, when you go to market the sport? Because it is a huge advantage, isn't it? No, absolutely, Kevin. You're spot on. You know, my background, I come from the, the agency world, the marketing agency world. Part of that spent about a decade in the NASCAR space. And when you zoom in on the sport of rugby, it kind of blends a number of different sports. When you look at it from a marketing perspective, one obviously is American football. Just for the nature of it is truly a, a contact sport. And American football wouldn't be here if it weren't for the, the sport of rugby. But then you, you look at from a marketing perspective, it blends a lot like soccer or football here in the States, in addition to basketball. Because a beautiful thing about the sport of rugby, uh, there's relatively no stoppage, right? It has a continuous action like you do uh, in soccer. It's very marketable like basketball. Why? You're not wearing a helmet, right? You can actually see the emotion uh, of, of our athletes. And then also to your to your first point, women also play and love the sport. Compare that to American football. Obviously, a, a, not a lot of women play uh, American football. Uh, just about 40% of the fan base here in the U.S. are females. Um, so it lends itself to all body types. It's a very inclusive game. Um, so it's an exciting to truly unlock this uh, from a marketing perspective and all the different avenues we, we can bring to sport. Yeah, and you led into my next question, Steve. You know, I, I work with businesses outside of hosting this podcast on helping them sort of uh, infuse a more inclusive culture within their operation, uh, specifically for folks with uh, disabilities. So how do you think we can continue to make the sport of rugby more inclusive, uh, to, to make it more appealable, to a wider audience, my friend. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the exciting thing that we have, Kevin, uh, at our hands is we are at the foundational level. We are the league office. So it's paramount that all the way from an ownership perspective, 
all the way down to an operation and fan perspective that we do make it inclusive, that all men, women, and beasts of all walks of life can participate in this sport, whether just from a fan or all the way up to, to an ownership level. Because if we don't do it, the league won't be successful. It's imperative to have that diversity, diversity of thought uh, into what we're doing. And one of the big words that we use is just awareness. People aren't aware of the sport of rugby. People aren't aware of the opportunity to be a fan of the sport. People aren't aware of the opportunity that they can actually own equity in a sports team, sports league. So we're on that mission from a marketing, from an awareness perspective to ensure people uh, can participate because that's that's critically important to our mission. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Steve, uh, with your background in marketing, uh, uh, I'm sure that you have uh, continuous thoughts about how to continuously showcase uh, your most uh, prevalent athletes. So tell me, from a marketing perspective, how do you think you can continue to grow uh, the notoriety or exposure of your most uh, prominent athletes? You know, Kevin, when we when we first started this this mission and founder Michael Clemens had an option to buy the Rugby Lions, ultimately stepped away from that deal and came back here and said, let's bring this game to the biggest, uh, most lucrative sports market, that being the U.S. And where we first started was around our athletes, knowing we have an untapped athletic pool. Um, come September, just about a thousand of these guys, guys that try to make an NFL team, get cut. There's nothing wrong with them. They just didn't happen to be good enough to make a 53-man roster. So we've held a number of combines, like NFL combines, to really prove that thesis out. Yeah, you're a great football athlete, but can you truly convert over to the, the sport of rugby? Ultimately, we sent a couple guys to England, a guy to South Africa. Uh, these ex-football guys, in a matter of months, ultimately were man of the match. And why that's important, right, from a marketing perspective, you can look at what's taking place in soccer currently here when you look at Messi coming over to America and the, the marketing phenom that Messi is. And I'm not saying that rugby has anyone comparable to the marketing power that Messi does, but our job as a league is to build that brand, to build that awareness, to start storytelling that, that football athlete, for instance, who maybe went to Alabama, was a five-star recruit, maybe had two years in the NFL and got dinged or got released. But now imagine, Kevin, all the stories that we can tell of, of telling that athlete, his journey into rugby, the highs and lows uh, of that, because it is important to create that star power. Um, case in point, you can look a number of years ago, LeBron James on, on network television had a thing called The Decision, where he said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach, right? And millions of more fans became Miami Heat fans. So we are star crazy here in the U.S. and globally. So here in the sport of rugby, that is a massive opportunity to start creating these star powers within the sport because that's how you start to garner interest uh, within a fan base here in the U.S. that may not know much about the sport. Yeah, and Steve, how do you think you can use the international appeal of these athletes as a competitive advantage to grow the sport in the States? Yeah, so the, the exciting thing about rugby, maybe I'll quickly compare that to soccer. When soccer started, MLS started maybe 30 years ago, uh, give or take. When they started, they knew from the beginning they could never compete with the international game. Why? They just couldn't afford it. 
right? The players internationally were extremely expensive uh, e even back then. And even MLS today necessarily can't afford the international talent. Even the best American talent are going overseas to play in Premier League or La Liga or some of the other leagues. In the sport of rugby, as, a, as we started this conversation, it's only been professional since 1995. So the international rugby stars are still a very underpaid athlete. They all don't go to one league. There's various leagues around the world that some stars are in England, some are in France, some are in Japan. So with what we are doing, we can afford to go get some of the best international skill positions from New Zealand, Australia, marry that with the homegrown boys, the guys that come from America. We can put on one of the most exciting products on the pitch. And from a marketing perspective, it's exciting, as you can imagine, as we get some athletes, say, from South Africa, who just won the Rugby World Cup, you will instantly have a country of South African rugby fans follow their athletes into the league and be a fan of the league, be a fan of the team that they land on. So that's why this is truly a, a global opportunity uh, from the onset. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Steve, from a safety perspective, I'm, I'm curious if, if your league has any messages for anyone that's watching this about the safety of the sport, sport, sport and how you continue to make that an emphasis when you uh, market the sport from both the American and the international end. What do you think people need to know from a safety perspective about the sport? Yeah, I mean, there's probably some misnomers here in, in America because it goes back to the awareness side. Most Americans just aren't aware of the sport. Um, they've heard of it, right? They maybe heard of the All Blacks out of New Zealand. Uh, they know it's a tough sport. It's kind of a gladiator sport. But when you start looking at it from a, a safety perspective, uh, the rules are set up, or as we call it, the laws of the game are set up to try to take the head out of the game. Meaning anything kind of chess level uh, and above is off limits. So different than the American football, where it's more of a collision sport. Rugby is more of a, a contact sport. Like in American football, you could do a, a bad tackle or a neck tackle. That's a 15-yard penalty and play goes on. In the sport of rugby, you do something like that. It's a red card and you're out of the game for at least one or, or multiple matches. So safety is critically important to us. And what we can do from a league and, and being a pioneer in that, there's certain rules that we can change uh, and adopt that not only will make it more exciting from a fan perspective, especially an American fan that watches the sport for the first time, but also will make it safer for our, our, our athletes. Knowing we also don't need to play as many games as the international schedule, uh, but yet we can still pay our players uh, uh, what they're currently getting. So as, as you know, and, and we can learn from history, from what American football and the, the NFLPA, the Players Association, what they have gone through throughout the years, you know, it's important to make rugby safer, uh, and it has, based on the, the rules and the laws of the game. Yeah, and, and you know, there are uh, some unique characteristics that the sport of rugby has that no other sport does. So I'm wondering if we're going to have a brief conversation about what, what really is rugby's sort of differentiating factor and why is the, uh, the sport of rugby 
gaining in popularity in your opinion? Yeah, so a tagline that's often used, rugby is a hooligans game played by gentlemen, right? So you can go to war for 80 minutes with guys, uh, going to battle, if, if, if you will, but at the end of the game, the camaraderie, uh, the inclusiveness that rugby is all about, the respect that you give the, the referees as, as one small example. It is the one sport at its highest level all the way down to its lowest level. You can battle against your opponent. You'll pick them up off the ground, and then after the game, uh, you'll cheers them in the locker room. right? So it truly is the ethos of the culture of the sport that we know an American fan base will absolutely embrace. Um, and that is different when you look at, say, soccer here in the U.S. or, or some of the, the other sports. So it is rich in history. Uh, it is rich in respect uh, at, at all levels. Yeah, and I know, uh, Steve, that one of your taglines is that storytelling is in your uh, DNA, and it's important for you to tell stories. Is you said earlier, but I'm wondering if you can expand on why uh, telling individual stories is so important to the DNA to your uh, success. Yeah, I mean, one one good example, maybe not sure if you or some of your listeners or followers have seen it, but welcome to Wrexham. So it's about Ryan Reynolds and Rob Malcohenny who bought, I don't know, a fifth tier uh, maybe soccer team uh, overseas. Uh, didn't know much about the sport, but again, the the docu-series, which is played here in the U.S., goes behind the scenes of them buying the team. So they start telling the stories of these, these athletes and their families and what they have to go to. And I'll tell you this, Kevin, it, it kind of pulls at your heartstrings. And I'm not a soccer fan, but I want to go buy a Wrexham jersey. I, I'm invested uh, in their team. So the power of storytelling is immense. And that's how you take a as uh, a sports fan here in the U.S. that loves tackle sports, that loves sports, media, and entertainment, that's how you start making them introduced into the sport through great storytelling, telling those stories about the athletes and their families, telling the stories of that, that owner who's been locked out of, of buying professional sports here in the, the America, his or her journey uh, into the sport of rugby. The highs and lows of truly building as we say, the, the next big uh, sports league here uh, in the U.S. So start, storytelling is truly in our DNA because uh, that is the opportunity. That's how you start gar garnering interest within a, an American fan base. You know, uh, Steve, uh, I started my career as a, a sports reporter, my friend, and I truly believe that sports is a true bonding agent that brings us all closer together no matter what sort of uh, background we come from. It's sort of uh, the glue that brings us societally together. And I know that adrenaline in rugby is different than any other sport. So tell me about the adrenaline of the sport and how it can really bring sort of that social capital or social tissue of fans together as well, because it can be a bonding factor, can't it? Oh, 1,000%, Kevin. I mean, sports it does that. I mean, I can go back, you know, when 9-11 happened, uh, when the New York Yankees played and, and President Bush came out and threw that first pitch. I mean, it bonded everyone across America, and I would say the globe, together. 
So the power that sports has and just is just immense, and that's what's exciting about bringing this global game and start introducing it to a, to a new fan base uh, here in the U.S. Knowing rugby at its core, it is very uh, adrenaline-based, right? It is that, that original hurry-up offense. There are relatively no stoppages. So you have two 40-minute halves of men and also women that are going head-to-head uh, of all different body types, all different backgrounds, all different religions, all different colors coming together, you know, for one mission to to beat the opponent uh, team and to storytell that and then to engage in that as as a fan. I mean, I can go back personally as some of my favorite memories are are watching sporting events with my dad, going to sporting events with my dad, going around and traveling around with friends, watching sporting events. The game has almost become secondary but it's that memory that you create and the impact that sports truly brings uh, people together. Yeah. And, you know, Astrid, I'm curious to ask you about the mental toughness of the athletes who play the sport. And because it's a, you, you have to have sort of a different mindset to play rugby, rugby sort of, um, effectively and efficiently. So tell me about the mental makeup of the athletes that you have and how it really bonds them together individually and collectively as well. Yeah, again, going back, it is the one sport, Kevin, that these players, these athletes, not only do you have to tackle, not only are you on defense, you also have to be on offense. Everyone has an opportunity to score. Uh, right. So it truly is a, a team game, uh, maybe similar to hockey in that that nature. Compare that to American football, which is the 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 golden child, which is the American sports league here in the uh, in America, that being the NFL. The ball is in play not that much during an American football game. Again, compare that to rugby. So you as a player from a mental toughness perspective, need to carry the ball, you get hit. There's not a timeout. There's not a huddle. You have to get back up and, and keep doing keep doing that. So the mental fortitude and toughness is, is great. And many of the military associations uh, here in the U.S. often use rugby to, to really test character, to train within uh, various military units within uh, America because it creates that toughness. It creates that camaraderie because you can't do it alone. Right. Where in basketball, you could go one on one and go, you know, go score a basket and rugby. You don't have that. You need the other 14 uh, players on your side to help you bring the ball down, down the field. Yeah. And for the NFL uh, players who adopt a career in rugby, I'm curious to get your thoughts on their uh, impression when they make the switch. How uh, does it impact? ex-NFL players when they uh, make the uh, transition to rugby? Well, Kevin, what that's been a fun journey as, as we began starting with these combines. Imagine being part of an NFL team. That's many of these kids' dreams. I'll raise my hand. It was, it was my dream. But then you quickly realize I didn't have a shot to make it. Uh, but these guys that do make maybe the practice squad or make it a year or two, they've made their dream. But then one day they get released, which happens to everyone. But a lot of them happen early on in their careers when they're still in their early 20s. They are out of work. They are looking and searching for answers, knowing 
their whole life, their mission has been to be a professional athlete. There's options out there. Post-NFL, you could go to Canada. There's the XFL. But now their journey into the sport of rugby, their eyes get big. They can see this as a true opportunity. Uh, knowing from a pay scale, we are the next best option. But now their ability and to take their skill sets of what they learned their whole life in the sport of rugby and how that can translate into not only being a, a star here in the U.S., but truly a global star, knowing that rugby is loved and played uh, everywhere else. It's very re rewarding for, for a league to, to start creating these opportunities to continue these, these athletes' dreams of, of being a professional athlete. Yeah, and finalists here, how do you uh, forecast the future of rugby in America and internationally as well? Yeah, it's, it's, it's bright. Kevin, uh, one good example. So the Rugby World Cup happens every four years. Uh, it is the third largest event in the world behind the Summer Olympics and the Soccer World Cup. Actually just ended here uh, a few weeks back uh, in Paris. But in 2031, the Rugby World Cup is going to be hosted in America for the men's. And in 2033, the women's uh, Rugby World Cup is going to be hosted in America. So you can look at that uh, roadmap leading up to there. We have eight years from a league to not only produce one of the best and most exciting leagues on the planet, but be one of the leaders from a media entertainment property in the sport of rugby. Uh, so the, the uh, um, future for the sport of rugby is extremely bright. Yeah, absolutely. And Stephen, people want to get connected with the good work that you do to Promote the sport of rugby, my friend. Tell me, how can I get connected with yourself or the league personally, my friend? Yeah, easiest thing, you know, Kevin, is you can go to our website, thenrfl.com. You can find me uh, on LinkedIn. Plus, all we're, we're uh, becoming more engaged across all social channels. So a lot of things are, are exciting kind of behind the scenes and the opportunities that we have, um, especially around people that, that want to own equity and professional sports. We want to be game changers uh, in that, knowing you don't need to be a billionaire. Uh, but we know sports as an alternative investment is very exciting for people. Uh, so we want to make people aware of the, of the opportunity of coming on from an investor, from a partner perspective. And we'll love to have conversations with, with anyone that, that wants to know more. Well, fabulous, Steve. I really want to thank you for uh, your commitment to engaging people. Uh, competitive interest in the, the sport of uh, rugby and for joining me this morning. It's most appreciated. Kevin, thank you. It's been nothing but a pleasure.